So the husband's in the hospital. And the doctor comes in with one of those faces and you know it's not good news. And he asks to speak with the wife outside in the hallway for a brief moment. Takes the wife, the wife steps out and leaves her husband in the hospital bed and goes into the hallway with the physician, the doctor. The doctor says, ma'am, I've got good news, but I've also got some pretty dire news. The woman says, lay it on me, doc. We got to know we've been in limbo these past few hours. The doctor says, your husband has an incredibly rare disease. It is ravishing his body. And if certain steps don't happen, your husband will die. And uh, here's, here's but, but, but she's like, okay, well then what's the good news? Because that does not sound like good news. He said, well, there, are, there is a way to prolong his life. There's a way to help him live longer. But it's going to require some great commitment from you as a spouse. It's going to challenge your marriage. Uh, it's going to challenge the oath you made to one another. It's going to challenge the covenant. It's going to be very difficult. Every day, this guy's going to have to be on a specific regiment of a diet. You're going to have to, he's not going to be able to go to McDonald's. You're going to have to cook specially for him all three meals. It can't be contaminated. It's got to be specifically designed just for him all three meals. And his environment has to be utterly spotless. He can't, you know, dust would, would just irritate this and accelerate this. Uh, his environment has to be spotless and clean and his meals have to be tediously prepared for him. And for the next remainder of his life, you're going to have to look out for him and take care of him in a very special way. She says, okay. She walks into the uh, hospital room and her husband is there on the bed and big wide eyes. What did he say? She says, you're going to die. You're not going to make it. Have you ever said, have you ever said, some of you are like, oh my Lord, I thought this was a real story. Have you ever said, you know, I'm, I'm not going to do that. You know, maybe when you were a kid, your dad asked you to take out the trash and you're like, I'm not going to do that. I, you know, you've said that in your, in your heart to somebody, you know, I, I'll help you out. But, but then they go like just one more step further. Will you do? And, and then will you also, and you're like, wow, well, you know, the tension arises. I'm not going to do, I'll do some things, but I don't know if I'll do that. You know, even use that like little that, you know, like, uh, I don't know if I'll do that. Tonight we're continuing a series entitled, Love like Jesus. And we're in the month of February, and I told you young adults and singles, I wasn't going to twist your arm about how you're single, and this is the worst you know, month of your life. Um, but that we would talk about a different kind of love, the love that Jesus showed us and the love that we're to model and then to give to this world. The Bible says the world will know how serious we are about our faith by the love we show one another. And so this series is challenging us to love like Jesus. And last week, uh, we learned what it truly means to love like Jesus means we're to forgive like Jesus. We're to do the, the very difficult task of praying for those who hurt us and we're to forgive like we've been forgiven. And tonight I want to continue that conversation of loving like Jesus and, and Jesus was notorious for showing us these irrational moments of unconditional love. I mean, love that was jaw-dropping that the rest of the world pauses and looks at and go, this guy did what? I mean, that kind of love. And here again, we have Jesus is about to do that. And the story will be in the book of John chapter 13. Um, But here's what we're going to learn tonight, that Jesus shows us how to love by washing his disciples' feet. And for a moment, we're going to go to that special upper room experience with those men as Jesus models what it means to love people 
as he wants us to love them. So if you have your Bibles in the book of John chapter 13, verse 1 and 2, it starts off and it says this, it was just before the Passover festival, Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. He, he knows time is about to run out. He's been with these guys three years. He's been, on, he's been on this earth for 30, but he's been with the disciples for three. He's been pouring into these men. He's loved them and he's, he's, he realizes the time is about to come. The, the soldiers are going to come arrest him. And, and it, it is the end of the end. What he's been telling them, and they haven't, they've just been clueless. But it is about that time. Having loved his own who were in the world. And I want us to say this out loud if we can. Those watching online joining us. He loved them to the end. He loved them to the end. You know, how far are we to take our love? How far are we to go with, with those in this world that God is saying to love like? We're to go to the end with them. Matter of fact, Jesus is going to teach us that if they ask for your, your, your shirt or your coat, you're supposed to take your shirt off too. I mean, he just is going to teach us to go the extra mile because he modeled it. The word says he loved them to the end. The Bible says in verse 2 that the evening meal was in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. So here's what's going on. It's been a busy week for Jesus. On Monday, he's clearing out the temple. On Tuesday, he's, he's just going before the religious people and, and, and calling them out. On Wednesday, we don't really have recollection. But on Thursday night is when this is taking place. He gathers his men in the upper room and he begins to prepare and he begins to tell them about his death and burial and resurrection. We call it the communion moment. It's been a very busy week for Jesus. And in this moment... Uh, we, we have seen it all leading up to this in the Gospel of, uh, of Luke. We see something happens. Jesus is, is talking about this. this. This moment is happening. The Bible says that even later on in this moment, an argument breaks out. And we've talked about this argument here before, uh, not at the Passover moment, but the disciples apparently argued about this topic a lot. Who's going to be the greatest? Right? That's the argument. The Bible says in Luke that there was an argument broke out, and this is what they were arguing about. Uh Again, otra vez, again, here it is. They've been arguing, and Matthew captures it, the book of Mark captures it, I mean, now Luke is capturing it. This must have been on their mind all the time. They're arguing about who's going to be the greatest. At one point, John and James get their mom involved in this whole thing. Hey, uh, why don't you ask mom to go ask Jesus who's going to be the greatest? And it's captured, it's in there, it's in Scripture, where their mom goes up to Jesus, and he's like, you guys set your mom up, didn't you? I mean, he's just like, woman, do you even know what you're asking? You know, and, and so obviously this has been going on. And every time it happens, right afterwards, the Bible says, and the rest of the men were ticked off. Well, it doesn't say ticked off, but it says they were angry with the other guys who kept asking Jesus, who's going to be the greatest? Well, here we are at the Passover, the end of the end. And that same argument's happening. An argument breaks out. Who's going to be the greatest? You know, he's Peter. Peter, I'm, it's me. I'm the rock. He called me that. I'm the greatest. You know, John, but he loves me. You know, Bartholomew stands up and everybody's like, no one's even going to remember your name, Bartholomew. Sit down. It's not you. It's not you. It's us, right? They're in this, they're Peter, John, they're all there. And, and, and almost like, I, I, Jesus, like, I have kids. And so I've given them this look before, like, didn't I already tell you once? I told you to take a shower. You're still standing in front of me. Like, why are you not in the shower? Like, I, I can almost see this Jesus with his loving eyes, his fatherly eyes. He's looking at him like, we've already talked about this, guys. And in this moment, he reminds him, Matthew chapter 23, verse 11 says, and Jesus says, and the greatest will be the servant. The great, he flips it upside down. You want to be great? You're going to have to serve your brother. 
You're going to be great. You want to be number one in the kingdom? Then you're going to be last. And he has that whole conversation and he flips it upside down. And he gives them that look like, guys, I've already, to- I've already told you this. The greatest is going to be in serving. In case you didn't, in case you might have missed that session when we were here talking about it, we have what happens next. In chapter 3, or verse 3 of chapter 13, it says, So Jesus got up from the meal, a place of honor, a place of respect, a place where he belonged, due to him. The meal, this is, this is a right thing. They're all sitting there. He got up from the table, and he took off his outer clothing. All right? Takes off his outer jacket and wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, the Bible says that he took water and he poured it into a basin. And what does it say he began to do? He began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel. He takes the basin. And they're all sitting at the table. He gets up. He walks over. They walk, watch what he's doing. It, 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 would, it would be kind of like in today's uh, vernacular, if you came to my house and I'd say, hey, how you doing? Can I take your jacket? You know, he, he, would, he would take, that's what would happen at the beginning. They would, they would wash people's feet if he came into the house. That would be like the first thing they do. You come into my house, I look at your dirty feet, and I'd be like, yeah, hey, let's get, take that taken care of. Uh, you've, been, you've been in my house. You've been all walking all over Jerusalem some camels and stuff Let, let's get that taken care of and it was an act of courtesy but it was saved for if I was the host I would never dare be the one to offer that to you it would be my servant I would be standing at the door and I would greet you and I would say welcome welcome to my house yeah and at that moment my servant knew to respond can I take your jacket can I wash your feet you'd be like today like I said if you come to my house I might offer you a drink I may offer you something in my refrigerator, I have a seat. It, it, was the, it was the colloquial thing to do at that moment. It was just routine. And disciples are there. That moment has already passed. They, technically, they should have already had their feet washed if they sit at the table. If not, that's awesome. They had dirty feet while they were inside someone's house. But the Bible says at this special moment, Jesus gets up. It's not about washing their feet. It's the symbolic thing that he's trying to show them. This is what I want you to do, guys. I'm about to, he's about to model for us again what it means to love. He gets out of the honoring place of the table. And he puts on a coat. The Bible says he bends down and he begins to wash their feet. Now, I don't know about you, but you can wash my feet and my feet will still stink. My feet, I don't like feet. I don't like other people's feet. I don't like my feet. I don't like your feet. <laughs> feet are just gross, okay? It, it, they're just... They, they go in your shoe and your... So- Anyways, Jesus lowers himself, takes the water basin and begins to wash his disciples' feet. And they protest. I mean, Peter, no, don't do the... Who? Because the symbolism is, you're better than that, Jesus. You say that for the low people. You say that for the servant. You're better than that, Jesus. And Jesus is telling them, no, 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 the greatest is going to be the servant. And he gets down and he washes the feet. Peter's like, man, if you're going to wash my feet, why don't you just wash all my body? And Jesus is like, that's not what we're doing. That's not what we're doing, Peter. I'm here to show you. They still didn't get it. I'm here to show you what this is about. Who is this? He's washing the disciples' feet. This is, this is the King of Kings. This is the Lord of Lords. This is my salvation. This is the, the, the bread of life. 
This is the Almighty, the author, the finisher of my faith. This is the God who spoke and things came into existence. This is the God who's going to come back to life later on. I mean, this is the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, the one in all of creation who should not have to serve and wash my feet down on his knees, washing the feet of his disciples. And these guys are like, what is going on? What is he doing? <gasps> Shock and awe right here in this moment because that's what the servant does, not the Savior, not the Master, not Jesus. Jesus saw prideful hearts and dirty feet. And he said, I'll take this one. I'll teach you. I'll take this one. And he got down and he bent on his knees and he began to, the Redeemer of our souls washes the feet. And he's going to say this early on in his ministry. We'll end this, we're going to end with this verse, but I'm going to say it right here. I did not come to be served, but to serve. And to give my life as ransom for many. He's modeling that in front of these guys. And they're freaking out. Because he loved them to the end. He could have easily said, guys, listen, this is my last night. Kind of like a bachelor party. Like, we're out. Like, I'm done. After this, is the end. This, we need to celebrate. We need to make this big and loud. It needs to be about me. Today's my last day on earth. Uh, you know, you need to bring all the attention here. But instead, he turns the attention on them. And he begins to serve them in the most humbling, humiliating way in his culture. Wash their feet. So tonight, tonight I just, a prayer of a servant. If we're going to love like Jesus, then we're going to serve like Jesus does. That's what loving like Jesus means, to be a servant of all. I got to love my enemies, but now you're telling me to serve? Oh, this is just getting hard. <laughs> tonight, we're going to learn through three simple, a prayer, a servant's prayer. I believe the prayer that, that every Christ follower who is serving Jesus ought to pray in their spirit. Number one is just simply this. It's in your notes. Lord, give me eyes to see. Jesus saw the pridefulness. They were talking about who's going to be the greatest, right? He saw the pridefulness in their heart. I pray that as a servant, that as a, as a ministry of servants in this place, that we would learn to get, say, God, give me eyes to see opportunities to serve. And I'm not talking about, you know, when they're posted in the, in the guide or on the, I'm talking about in everyday life, your, your wife, your kids, your boss, your neighbor. Lord, give us eyes to see opportunities that you have set out. That's what Ephesians said. I have already put good works for you to do in advance. Why? Because you're my masterpiece, he says. I fixed it that way. I created you that way. My prayer, just to simply want, is that God give us eyes to see. Opportunities come every single day, I believe. Every single day. Every single day opportunities show up. Maybe I'm too busy doing, you know, maybe I'm too busy doing this that I don't see. Maybe I'm too busy, you know, just in here that I don't see the need I pass by it, I walk through it, I, I rush through it. My prayer is also that we would see people as Jesus sees people. Not as culture sees people, not as politics sees people, not as even religion sees people, but that we would see people as Jesus saw people. Remember when he saw the Samaritan woman and he saw her and he knew who she was? He knew she was different. He knew he shouldn't go over there and talk to her. He knew she was an outcast. He knew she was destitute. He knew that she was sleeping around, but he walks over there and he engages with her and he invites her to know him as his Lord and Savior. That's the kind of Jesus 
that he modeled for us. That's the kind of servant he modeled for us. Remember the woman caught in adultery? He, you know, he, he saw her as what everybody else couldn't see her as a forgiven person. An opportunity to serve this person. I pray that we would be heart, our hearts would be turned to be servants, but that we would see, our eyes would be open to see. I'm reminded of when Jesus is crossing the Galilee, he gets out and he sees the crowd, the Bible says, and he saw them in such a way. His disciples were there and none of them saw it. But Jesus saw that they, and he had compassion on them because they were harassed like sheep without a shepherd. I pray that we would have eyes to see people like Jesus sees them. Broken, but potential forgiveness in their heart. Potential success in their marriage. Not like my brother-in-law, I see him, and I'm like, I know what's going to happen. You know, it's, he's destined for loserness, all right? Know that we would see them as Jesus sees them. And say, you know what? I can do this like Jesus said. I can do this. This one's mine. This one's mine. A friend in need who needs to help to move. I have a truck, so that happens to me all the time, all right? I got a truck, so people call me. Maybe it's an opportunity. Maybe I don't need to see it as a, as, a, as a burden. I need to see it as an opportunity. A student needs spiritual guidance, and you have the, you have the, the answer is Jesus inside of you. Maybe you see that student instead of as a troublemaker, as a destitute generation, you see the generation like we see the generation here at Westover Hills worth investing in. That we see the generation behind us worth pouring into, worth spending time with, worth challenging. That you would see young adults that way. That young adults, we would see the generation in front of us and say, they've, they've lived life. They know something we don't. I ought to seek out someone and mentor me. That we wouldn't see them as just, you know, they don't know what's going on. They're disconnected. That we would see people as Jesus sees people. And then number two, just that God would give us ears to hear. Eyes to see opportunities that happen all the time. But ears to be attentive to the Holy Spirit's whispering. An H-E-B, college campus, the Holy Spirit, like Pastor Jim, I love it when he says, the Holy Spirit's always speaking to us. We just have to sometimes choose to listen. We've got to turn all the other noise down in our life, and oh, there he is, and he's tugging on my heart, that we would be a generation, that we would be a church known as a church that loves people, serves people, because we have ears to hear the need of our community. Because we have ears to hear the needs of our family, of our spouse when she cries out, it's not working, we've got to fix this. Oh, we'll fix it next year. We'll just put it off. That we would have ears to hear the cry of help that comes from our teenagers. Mom, just show me. Just show me what it means to be a Christ follower. I'll follow you if you'll show me. We would hear that. We would be, and we would be prompted by the Holy Spirit to follow. And then lastly, just simply, Eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart that cares. Not a calloused heart, not a busy heart, not a heart that's burdened by other things more important than helping others, but a heart that cares. A heart that's broken for the things that God's heart breaks for. Jesus there at the feet of his disciples. He sees, he sees his men He hears the fear in their mouths as they say, what's going on? What's happening? One of us is going to just, no, not us, Lord, not us. And he cared for them. The Bible says he loved them to the end. He cared for them. That we would have eyes, ears, and a heart 
Very simple tonight. Attitude, we talked about this last week. You'll never have an action. You'll never say, oh, yeah, I'll do that. If, if my attitude is gross, right? If my attitude is, you know, people are here because, you know, they're to tell me how awesome I am and they're to pump me up and they're to tell me how great I am. People exist for my pleasure. You know, like if that's how you are, then the actions will always follow that because attitude precedes action. We said that last week. So grab on to that. That the attitude of your heart would be posture. What's the kind of posture that I hope your heart has? Uh, how about this posture? On your knees, willing to have your hands out to wash the feet of the people that Jesus brings into your pathway. Let that be the posture of your heart. In, in the same way Jesus modeled it for us. Why did he do it? He could have done, he couldn't have, they, they, they're, technically their feet should have already been washed. Why does he show us? Because he knew that when it gets tough, when it gets to the end, when life just is happening, all of that goes out the window. He brought us back to this. And I just want to say this, like, servanthood isn't what you do. A servant is who you are. Jesus, this isn't the first time he does, right? No one's like, <gasps> he's serving people again. No, the disciples are like, there, there he goes again. Like, you can just hear it, just, what, Jesus, again? Like, you already fed these people, you already done these, ma- why? Because he wanted us to get it. Because servanthood is not what you do. Servanthood is who you are. A servant is who you are. And I pray that we would love people by serving others. Jesus said it this way. Uh, 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 let me, okay, I'll say it. I wasn't going to say it because I'm running out of time. I'm going to say it anyways. I feel like it's relevant to this room. When we serve others, when that opportunity, we see it or we hear it, or our heart is broken and we respond, can we just be the church that, that this isn't us? Like, hold on, hold on. I get that camera going. Uh, you know, oh, oh, that's the wrong camera. Here we go. You got the got the feet of the orphan in there. Is the orphan's feet? In it? Oh, I'm out of it. Let me lean in a little. Can we not be known as that kind of church? Like, I love technology. I love social media. But can we be known as a church that serves everywhere and no one has to know about it? No one has to clap for us or pat us on the back or like our Facebook page or like our Instagram feed. Can we just be and do what Jesus did and say, I'm just going to do this because I can right now. And no one else is going to do it, so I'm going to do it. I wasn't waiting for Peter to get his cell phone out and take a picture of me and post it in the book. All right? We're just going to, we're just, I'm just going to do it because I can do it. We would be known as that kind of church. Not looking for man's approval, but saying, I'm doing this as if I'm doing it unto the Lord. Because that's the real instruction that we get from Scripture. Not to get likes on Facebook or Instagram. Anyways, all right, done. Get off that soapbox. Here we go. I'm going to wrap this up. Close it with this. Team can come. If you're a follower of Christ Jesus, we're not to be spiritual consumers. We're to be spiritual contributors. We hear it all the time in church ministry. Well, I just can't find a church where I just, you know, I'm getting fed. Or I can't find a church where, where they feed me. And I'm like, you know what? You're supposed to be the one feeding the world. We're supposed to be the one contributing, not sucking it all up in all the time. If you can't find that church, good, because that church shouldn't exist. That church shouldn't be there for our purpose. It should be here for the world. It should be here for the hurting. Jesus said, I have not come for that the well. I've come for the sick. I've come for the broken. I've come for the, those who need a doctor. I'm not here for the well. That's what Jesus said. I don't know, that's like a half clap. I get it, but the re- it's truth. It's truth. The church doesn't exist for you and it sure doesn't exist for me. I exist for others. The church exists for 
others. That's why we're here. That's why we're here. Jesus said, go do this. Go, go be the light to the world. They're, they're dark. Go be light to them. Go show them. So if we're Christ followers, if I'm going to be a Jesus follower, I'm going to be part of the family of God, then my role in this family is to serve. Serve one another. Serve our community. Because I would dare say that if you're not serving in some capacity in your life, your family, your neighbor, your local church, kids ministry, if you're not serving, there is something that God desperately wants to do on this world that's not getting done. And he's waiting for us. He said, I designed you to do good works. I've designed you to do good works. Here are the good works. I've already planned them out for you to do. Just do it. You know, he stole that. All right? God already been saying that for a long time. Just step into it. If you're going to be a Christ follower and we're going to love people, it comes from serving the least of these, he said. The least of these. The orphans in Haiti. The down and out. The one nobody likes. The one nobody remembers. Not the glamorous you know, awesome ministry, playing the drums or being on the platform. Sometimes it's in the dark places of our world that only God the Father sees. But when we step into that, the world sees love. They don't see the task. They don't go, look what he did for me. Look what he did for me. You know what they see? They see love. That's what Jesus was trying to show us. Not, hey guys, um, every time we take communion, because we would do this, right? If this was part of what he wanted us to do. Every time we take communion in this room, I'd say, okay, you have the cup. You have the bread? Go ahead and take your shoes off. We're going to wash your feet because it's really important that we wash your feet because that's what it was all about. No, it wasn't about the act. Jesus wasn't saying, he never said, do this in remembrance of me. Take your shoes off and wash people's feet. No, it was symbolic to say, I want you to serve. It ought to be a part of who you are. It just comes naturally out of following Jesus. We're to serve. We're to serve. So we started with this verse. The Bible says, John 13, 1. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. My prayer for you that we would have ears, eyes, and a heart. And I want you to look around in your environment. I want you to look around in your life. I want you to look around maybe in your community. I want you to look around in this local church. And I want you to say, how can I give back? How can I serve? How can I do my part? How can I be involved with what the kingdom is involved with? This isn't a sign-up, I, I just already did that pitch, okay? This isn't a sign-up thing. This is just servanthood ought to be who we are out of a relationship with Jesus because that's what he modeled, not just what we do. I'm a servant because I did this. No, you're a servant because Jesus is inside of you, and guess what? He was a servant. The Bible says in Matthew 20, 28, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as ransom for many. It may cost you all your reputation to be it and to serve. Your friends may go, why did you, he's the biggest jerk in the office. Why did you just do that for him? You may lose some popularity points being a servant. But I'll tell you, your father in heaven will rejoice. He stands at the edge of heaven and goes, yeah, that's my boy. Yeah, that's my daughter. That's, that's my kid. Ever been proud of your kids when they do something you didn't ask them to do? Like make their bed, right? Isn't that like... There is a God in heaven. There, there, he is real because my kids made their bed without me. And you walk in the room and you're just like, how may I bless you, son? How may, you know? It's the nature of a dad. It's the nature of a father. And when we do, we don't do it because we're like, hey, God, check me out. Look what I'm doing. You got me? Hey, pay attention. 
We do it. And God sees us every time. And it pleases his heart. Because he goes, there's my son, Jesus. There he is. There he, I was worried about that one, but look, he's serving. There's my son, Jesus. I see, I see Jesus in her. That we would be a church that has ears, eyes, and a heart to serve. Amen? Because that's what people need to see. That's the love that they'll know Jesus is real. Yeah. So let's, now let's do the hard part. We're, we're done here in like 30 seconds, but let's do the hard part. Let's take that passage of scripture. Let's take that moment in biblical history. And now let's let it wash over us. And let it be a mirror reflection. Sometimes we're like, ooh, I don't, ugh. When's the last time I did anything for anybody but myself? Maybe just, just that was for me. <laughs> I wasn't for anybody. That was for me. When was the last time I served someone other than myself? So would you bow your heads and close your eyes and just for a moment, what this moment is all about is just letting the Holy Spirit hold up God's word to you and let it be reflection. The Bible says God's word is able to pierce bone and marrow. It's able to get past all the surface stuff is what it means and really get to the heart of who we are. And speak to that heart part. Speak to that deep part and just check our spirit. That's what it's there for correction, for growing, for encouraging. So tonight, where is it at? Is it... Is maybe you've turned a blind eye or pretended like you didn't hear your friend asking for help. He came to you in the break room talking about his marriage is falling apart. And you're like, oh God, not now. I got reports I got to do. God, not, I, got, I got homework I got to get done. Please don't, you know, that text comes on or the phone call. And you just kind of, it's easy to just swipe and say, I'm not going to answer that. You've just turned a deaf ear to a need. Or maybe you just haven't cared enough lately about the brokenness going on in our world. You would say, my heart is just, it's calloused. Like I just, I can't find it in my heart to even worry about anyone other. I can't get past me. Tonight, the Holy Spirit is powerful enough to just break all of that off of us and put the mirror of the Word of God in front of us and say, it's okay, let Jesus take this one. In you, let Jesus step in. And wash you cleanse of all of that pride and lack of empathy and even maybe even forgiveness because you blatantly turned away. And then he'll replace that with a burden. He's going to put a person on your heart. He's going to put a, a people group. Maybe it's homeless. Maybe it's, maybe it's orphans. He's going to put a people group on your heart tonight. That's not me. That's not guilt. That's the Holy Spirit saying, this is what I want you to do. I want you to be a servant to these people. Father, I just pray that you do what I cannot do, what your word can do, but I cannot, and that is stir the heart of men and women. Take us to that moment where you're on your face and you're washing dirty feet with prideful hearts standing there, God, and they don't, they're, the, they're least deserving in the room. You should have had your feet washed, but no, you, you modeled servanthood to these guys. The greatest is going to be the servant. You said it over and over and over. And I pray that we be not like them and not hear it and go on through life and, and always be questioned. Am I the greatest in my life? Is it about me? Is my life really all evolved around me? God, that you would break that spirit and allow us to be broken by what breaks your heart. I pray it practically. God, give us eyes 
to see the hurting people around us. Give us eyes to see the needs in this local church, in our local community, God, in my family, in my kids' life. God, give me eyes to see. Give me ears to hear the Holy Spirit prompt. God, if that means drowning everything else out, I pray you would. Make your voice prominent. Lord, give me a heart that is softened and tender to serve those around me. In Jesus' name I pray.